On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about respectable worldliness. You know, that, that I think to a lot of our listeners may sound like an oxymoronic statement. We'll have to explain what we mean when we come back. Respectable right. worldliness. That's what we're going to get started on right now. It's time for this week's edition of the virtual Bible study. The virtual Bible study is a live, internet only call in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more? about the scriptures if so we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of god's word the virtual bible study is brought to you this time each week by the college view church of christ in columbia tennessee you can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday september 23rd thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight kyle's in his usual spot behind the controls kyle welcome to the program it's good to be here. glad that you're here glad that you're listening on the other end of the line and we want to hear from you toll free 877-381-4567 877 no we don't have the 877 is number. Is that gone? The 877 number is gone. Oh, it's 931-381-4567. Yeah. Who cares yeah. about 800 numbers anymore? Yeah, no, that's why we got rid of it. We were paying for it. Nobody needed it anymore. Okay, 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com and in the chat window tonight. The phone lines are usually cold. We want to heat them up tonight. Yeah, Let give us, us a call. Give us a call. We'd love to talk to somebody live tonight. All right. Okay. All right, so to, concerning respectable worldliness, earlier today we sent out our update to our update list, uh, giving you our topic and asking you some questions. We got a little bit of feedback. We want more feedback. You can email us. We'll watch our inbox. You can get in the chat room, or as Jacob just said, you can call us 931-381-4567. Here are the questions we sent to our update list. If you're not getting our update, send us an email to questions at collegeu.com and say add me to your list. So here are our questions Number one, define worldliness. First of all, what is worldliness? And then based number two, based upon that definition, what would you think we mean by respectable worldliness? What kind of worldly things would not be considered respectable? And what kind of worldly things would, unfortunately, be seen as respectable? Okay. Number three, how does God view this idea of respectable worldliness. Number four, can you think of any Bible characters who got caught up in respectable worldliness? Number five, how is respectable worldliness potentially more dangerous than a more obvious, immoral, and ungodly type of worldliness? And number six, what suggestions can you offer to help us avoid and overcome respectable worldliness. All right, good discussion tonight, and it'll be better if you'll jump in and talk about it with us on the program tonight. I see Harold down in Alabama, Dwight and Michelle are out in Iowa. Eric's here in Columbia. Brian's out in California, and Grant and Janie in Franklin. Those are the ones who've signed on now. So and Mohan sent us an email from Chicago. So we're going, we're going north to south, east to west tonight, and we want your participation on the program. Yeah. Actually, you mentioned Harold, and uh, he actually sent us a good, I mean, technical definition for the answer to our first question, what is worldliness? He said worldliness, and then he, then he or worldly, he gives the Greek word kosmikos, belonging to the universe in the New Testament means accommodated to the present state of things. Worldly, having the character of this present corrupt age. Okay, uh, that's, that's, I think that's probably a pretty good working definition. Uh, what else would we say? Uh, I, I had a Bible verse of mine that I, my guess is has come to a lot of people's minds in First John chapter two. First John chapter two verses fifteen and sixteen: Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Uh, so I, th I think John there, by inspiration, describes what we're talking about, loving the world. Being worldly is to love the world, love the things of the world, to want to partake and have part in the things of the world. I'm thinking of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, about do not be conformed to this world. And yeah. so... 
Um, that's the idea of sort of just sort of fitting in, uh, starting to look like the world. Uh, no distinguishable difference then from us and the world, or at least uh, uh, not distinguishable differences in certain areas. Um, I think that would be the definition of worldliness as well. So instead of being a distinct people, uh, the Apostle Peter referred to it as a, a peculiar people. Uh, instead of being a, a peculiar people, God's own possession of First Peter 2, verse 9, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So instead of being that distinct and different kind of people, we are trying to be like the people of the world. All right. Um, and so uh, I think that's a good working definition. Here's what Mohan says uh, up in Chicago tonight. He says, worldliness is being more focused on the things of the world rather than on God. It may or may not entail sinful activities. I think that's a good point that Mohan makes there. I could be a worldly person. That doesn't mean that I'm a, a bank robber or a murderer or an adulterer. I can still, I mean, I, and really this is going to, that sort of segues to what we want to talk about tonight. That we could be involved in things that in and of themselves are not necessarily sinful, but they, we've lost our focus on God and being his unique people. Yeah, Mohan's uh, response reminds me of Hebrews chapter 11, beginning of verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. There's the idea of not being conformed to the world. They're, yeah. they're different than the people they're around. For they who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And so, uh, verse 16, they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The idea is that uh, we're not going to have the same priorities as those in the world around us. Yeah. Dwight out in Iowa says, worldliness... Uh, is defined as, quote, having the character of this corrupt age. He references 2 Timothy 4.10, saying, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed to Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Domitia. He goes on also to reference 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16, which we just read about, do not love the world or the things in the world. But I, right there in the verse that Dwight mentions, 2 Timothy 4.10, the problem with Demas was, he loved this present world. Yeah. Well, that, that phrase is a pretty good descriptive of the problem of worldliness. Worldliness is when we're attached to, attracted to, drawn to this world and the things of the world. All right. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com tonight. All right. So we followed that up. Uh, that, that, that's the easy question. Now, what could we possibly mean? When we suggest that that could be done in a respectable way, uh, you know, so I love this present world. I love drinking alcohol. I love taking drugs. I love immoral sexual activity. I, I love pornography. Those are uh, those are things of the world. But I, I sadly, they are not looked upon as negatively now as they used to be. But I think among people who, who who identify at all as christians they'd say yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's that's terrible stuff you can't do that what would we mean by respectable worldliness well i, I want to offer the idea that respectable worldliness is the idea that we can do both things that we can pursue the things of the world the things the world has to offer and still claim to be serving god Jesus actually said it was an impossible endeavor in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so, you know, this is not a problem new to our age. Jesus suggested that the problem existed in his time. And said, you know, if, if you're trying to do that, you're going to be trying to do an impossible thing. You can't serve two masters. But the, the, the overall idea is that I can put things before God. The things of this world can even come before God, but I'll, it'll still be okay. Uh, you know, again, there in Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus said, 
seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Other things will be added to you. But what knows what has to be first? Uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the problem with worldliness, even this sort of respectable form of worldliness that we're, we're, that we're attempting to, to define, is that it really moves God out of that first place. I'm pursuing these other things. I still want to say that I love God and I serve God. I believe in God. I'm, you know, uh, I'm a, a religious person, but I've moved God out of that first place. And that that's really the ultimate problem here. Right. All right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and like you said, there are some, though, that have some of these opinions, some of these priorities, some of these practices are not shunned anymore, not looked down upon, especially by the world, but sadly by Christians, they're somewhat acceptable. And, uh, and so we need to, we need to consider that, you know, a lot of times people gauge their activities by what others think about them, not so much by what the absolute standard of God's word says. Um, and so we need to be on guard against the fact that we may be engaged in some worldliness that no one has a problem with. Yeah. You know, I don't think I have any problem because the people I go to church with seem to think they act like I'm okay. They or they all they all have the same or priorities sort of, or they I, do the same things. We're all kind of doing the same thing. But, you know, I've never had any of them try to encourage me to do different. Yeah. Now, I must be okay because the people I go to church with act like I'm okay. You know, and so uh, that's the idea that, that I, I haven't... I, I haven't gone off into horrible immorality in pursuit of worldliness. You know, I, I ask that uh, as sort of the follow-up to, uh, to what's meant by a respectable worldliness. What kind of things would not be considered respectable? Well, I mean, I think you could compose a pretty, pretty long list there of vulgar things, of, of immoral things, of sensual things. There, there's some, there, I mean, I, I think all self-professed Christians are still going to draw the line uh, uh, on a lot of, uh, of the extreme immorality. And so those would be considered unacceptable forms of worldliness. That, that's doing this, the, the nasty, the horrible, uh, the, the, the really reprehensible things the of black the world. Sense. The big black sense. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The big black sense. But respectable things that keep me from serving God fully. For instance, my job, you know, my career, I've got a, uh, you know, my job places some real demands on me and, and I want to advance up the career ladder. You know, I mean, I've got, I got some real goals in my personal business life. And because of that, I necessarily have to miss some services. I have to, I, you know, I, I have to, I don't have time to do some of the things I probably should be doing as a Christian. I don't devote much time to study. Uh, I'm lucky if I can eke out a, a quick prayer uh, as I'm gulping down my coffee in the morning before I head out to, into the rush hour traffic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but it's understandable. I mean, I've got, I've got a number of brothers in Christ who, who, who are in the same rat race you know, we, we, it's not like we've denied God. We still we still try to make it church when we can. But if there's a conflict between my job and and church duties, right now it's a busy time at at, at the office, and right now some of these religious things gonna have to take a back burner for a little while. But all, everybody understands that. Everybody understands what I'm dealing with at work, and so. I'm not condemned for that. I'm actually respected for that. Yep. So respectable worldliness. All right. Uh, I think we need to get a break. All right. Let's talk. When we come back, I, I want to talk about a few more categories wherein this respectable worldliness might fit in. All right. We're going to go to a break and get your comments. Uh, what do you think? What are some areas that are respectable in the areas of worldliness that people don't really Raise an eyebrow at. Yeah. Uh, let us know your thoughts in the chat room, some ideas that you have. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Here's a quick thought. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. 
Romans 5, 3-5. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gives us a different perspective on suffering. Have you considered that suffering can be a good thing? When you suffer, look for God's purpose in it. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. There are many in the church who do not add, but they certainly distract. Do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. We may affirm absolutely that nothing great in the world has been accomplished without passion. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. There can be no happiness if the things we believe in are different from the things we do. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about respectable worldliness. Harold is in the chat room tonight. He says, Greg made me think uh, how of how college Christians seem to think that the Lord must and should take a backseat to their educational pursuits. I think that's right. I had that on my list, too, Harold, of, of, of things that, you know, educational pursuits. Well, it's understood that I got to get I got to get my education. And again, that may mean and sometimes does mean that I have to put godly things on the back burner but but i'm i'm in a crunch time you know right now i got i got to push hard to get this this education thing accomplished and god understands that hey i'm doing it for my future family yeah yeah i mean there's and so, I, and so get, get this it's not just the idea that i think my brethren understand this i actually think god understands this too you know god god respects me for that he he knows what i'm dealing with uh so job education uh what about recreation you know uh, i need a little recreation once in a while i need some downtime I need to take a vacation once in a while and uh you know if i don't know if i don't know when you try to plan your vacation so that you can worship along the route that is i'll tell you that is a big hassle and it really cuts into your time, you know. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to hit this place and this place and this place, but in order to get to a place where I could worship on Sunday or Wednesday night, that's it's going to take me way out of the way, and I'm going to miss point B that I really wanted to see. But you know, I think I think everybody would be understanding of that. You know, I might miss Wednesday night, but everybody everybody would be understanding of that, and and really God knows too because it's it, it's been a year since I had a vacation. I think God knows that I need some time downtime. All right, respectable world, respectable world. Here's what Dwight says and Michelle: um, just as goodness stems from the good and and kindness from the kind, so worldliness stems from the world, which is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The very concept behind worldliness eliminates any idea of God's approval. James 4, verse 4 says that friendship with, with the world is enmity with God. So to the majority of this world, respectable worldliness is a worldly acceptance uh, agreement to accept worldly ways. People convince themselves that some, if not all, worldliness is acceptable to soothe their own conscience. Some of those things he said that would be socially or respectable worldliness or maybe socially acceptable worldliness uh, would be things like homosexuality, abortion, adultery, fornication, lying, immodesty, social drinking. When, and, you know, that's a sad commentary of what, what Dwight has just mentioned there because you see the shifting standard yeah, of it worldliness it because acceptable. it wasn't acceptable just that not that long ago. 20 but, years ago. Yeah, but in the world today it is. Yeah, Um and not acceptable things would be things like rape, murder, molestation, and incest. Um, so, yeah, you know, it is. The world is shifting. How about, how about gambling? That wasn't very long ago that gambling was even illegal. And now, you know, I, I hear it advertised sports gambling. That was illegal. Uh, uh, it's, it's on the radio all the time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's become acceptable. Social drinking, you uh it, it, it's college football season now, too. Not many years ago, alcohol was 
on uh, off off limits in social. I mean, in college sporting events. Now they're it's being sold and promoted there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not we're talking a decade ago. Yeah, maybe somewhere around there. And it, gambling, drinking, homosexuality. We even talk about that just a few years ago. How it's changed from there. It, worldliness is now acceptable, Kyle, um, and uh, and folks don't even raise an eyebrow. Well, we keep moving our yardsticks. We keep moving like a will, especially for the lottery. Well, it's for education. Right. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna provide so much, so many millions of dollars to the education fund. We're gonna support our young people, or send our kids to school. Which you know now it's that's not even a thought anymore. It's like it's so it's the things are we keep moving our 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 reasoning. We keep you know so, rationalizing our. I think you're making a great point there, Kyle. You you have to engage in some rationalization, as you said, self-justification to get away with it. And and the, and I think the lottery, the state lottery, is a good example. That it's okay because it's for education. Now we might not agree with it if if it was for other reasons, but if it's for education, it's a good thing. It's okay. It's respectable. Yeah, we've gone so far beyond that argument now that it that it's not even funny. But uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, worldliness is becoming respectable in uh, the world, sadly, in the church. Here's what Mohan in Illinois says. Respectable worldliness are things that may not be outwardly immoral but can cause someone to be lukewarm and not be right with God. Immoral things such as fornication, adultery, dishonesty may not be considered respectable worldliness. Things such as a churchgoer who hardly talks about things of God with other Christians and only carnal things in so-called fellowship or a churchgoer who puts... Uh, the things of the world above God and does not have time to evangelize the lost and study with others, maybe examples of respectable worldliness. Now, there's there's one. Mohan mentions just our priorities out of whack. Yeah. You know, I really don't I don't really want to talk about my religion at work because those guys, they would they wouldn't they wouldn't think well of me if I if they if they if they thought me to be a religious fanatic, you yeah. know, and and again, it, it probably would not do great things for my career advancement if someone found out that I was a, 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 a devoted Christian. So I'm going to I'm going to tone that down when I'm in that environment. But everybody understand that. I mean, I, I, I think I really think most Christians do that. And so they won't think I'm bad if I do that. That's just sort of normal. Yeah. All right. Um, good points from Mohan there. Yeah. And and, and even in, uh, as he mentions there, church-going Christians who don't really talk about God even with other Christians. And maybe that's a, a sign of maybe maybe our priorities have shifted a little bit. If, yeah. if we're uncomfortable talking about things of a spiritual nature, things of, of God, even with those of common faith, maybe that's an indication that uh, maybe some of that worldliness has slipped in. Yeah, I think uh, in those instances instances we may feel like you know if we talk about world or religious things religious things other christians then maybe we're slacking maybe they'll they'll see that we've been you know not exposing ourselves to god's word we're like well they'll see that i'm failing in that so it's so we're like we're just not going to mention that at all just going to avoid that subject altogether around other christians so it's because we don't feel maybe qualified to talk about some things maybe so we need to make sure we're immersing ourselves in god's word and make sure we're thinking about religious and spiritual things so. okay yeah. all right all right and i think uh yeah, harold harold's got a point here. respectable worldliness harold says perhaps is the things of this world that are considered not considered immoral at least for now but according to god's word is never acceptable the line has moved so far it's hard to tell but i would say that any sexual deviant immoral or decadent behavior would be considered not respectable but again the line seems to move be moved constantly Immodest and indecent dress, many forms of athletic fandom and worship, material acquisition or the love of money, human institutionalism. Wow. Uh, so he, he says um, that this idea of athletic fandom, is that a respectable world? Well, I've got season tickets. Yeah. And, and, and the game, it starts at noon on Sunday. I can't, I can't be in my season ticket seat. And, and be at church. You can't be two places at one time. No. But it's a season ticket after all. No. That'd be okay, won't it? Well, that's what a lot of folks think, unfortunately. Material acquisition. What about that? Yeah. Or the love of money. Yeah. Um, you know, that's where we uh, we see this idea of uh, of covetousness as idolatry. Well, there you go. 
and covetousness is so prevalent in the world today, it can easily but, slip into but, my but, life. You know, that guy, he is really successful. He is a man. You got to admire him. He's, he's a successful business person. I know that he's not at church services very often, but man, you got to be impressed with his business success, don't you? Well, I mean, that's, uh, that's, it influences people in their daily walk with God. And, and, and he, well, I'm going to tell you, he's driving that new Tesla. I mean, uh, you can say what you want, but I like that car. And I'm impressed with a guy who could work hard enough to be able to afford that kind of luxury. Well, See what I'm saying? Yeah. Respectable world. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and then um, Dwight and Michelle in the chat room said, there's no wiggle room for seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, there's no, uh, the, the math there's pretty simple, isn't it? First place is, uh, is sort of hard to, uh, hard to un- misunderstand that wording, isn't it, uh, Dwight and Michelle? Um, well, so. actually, they have provided a great segue to our next point. So we were, we, we've been, obviously, we've been sort of trying to represent the, the, the flawed thinking of people who engage in this respectable worldliness. But the big question is, how does God view it? And and Dwight and Michelle there have said there's no wiggle room. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So if you so our third question was how does God view respectable worldliness? He condemns it. I mean it, it, it's condemned. Uh, all worldliness is condemned. There is no respectable worldliness with God. Hebrew or excuse me, James chapter four verse four uh, has to be a really fitting verse to this discussion. James 4, verse 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And that's, that's a categorical statement. It's not, it's not, you know, shades of gray there. It is a cut and dried, plain statement. And while it may be acceptable in our eyes, maybe, how does that, uh, that verse sound to you? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. You can't straddle the fence. You can't have your foot in, on both sides of things here. Yeah. Uh, you're either going to be a friend of the world or a friend of God. You can't have it both ways. And um, um, go ahead. Well, I was thinking of what Jesus was, prayed in, in that great and final prayer before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he said in John 17, beginning at verse 14, when he's praying for his disciples, he says, I have given them thy word. The, the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So Jesus was concerned for what would happen with his disciples because he because they were known and identified as people not of the world. And so he was praying to God on their behalf because he knew there would be great challenges associated with them taking that stand. Do we face any life challenges because of the stand that we take for the Lord? Does the world hate us like they hate Jesus? Maybe not. Maybe that's because we have tried to hold hands with both God and the world. Maybe because we've engaged in respectable worldliness. Good points. Good points. Uh, Dwight and, and Michelle say, I've known those who have missed services for birthday parties and soccer games. And they conclu- they also go on and say to be lukewarm will be spewed out of his mouth. And so that's how God and Jesus. It's interesting that Dwight mentioned that because one time and Dwight will know the occasion that I'm talking about. Yeah, I had preached at this place, and uh, and on the way out after Sunday morning services, this, and, and Dwight will, will know what I'm talking about, this family, without shame, said, we won't be here this evening because we've got a birthday party to go to. <laughs> and the sermon that morning had just mentioned, you know, about, you know, if if your priorities are right, you'll be here. Every time the doors are open, you know, uh, and and yet this family with no shame said, we won't be here tonight because we're going to a birthday party. Well, the, I mean, talk about they have become completely overcome with respectable worldliness. They, they, there's no shame attached to that. OK, absolutely. It's uh, it's amazing. Uh, we need to talk about then as we get to the end of the program about how to overcome this, because this is a real danger. 
and it's a danger for uh, well, as uh, as um, Mohan mentioned, churchgoers, uh, Christians. Yeah. It's a it's a danger. We got to be on guard against it. Harold says God is not pleased with any form of worldliness. He references James four verse four, which has been referenced. He references Titus two verses eleven and twelve. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, denying these things. Yeah. That's an active, uh, deliberate response on my part. I can't just go with the flow. You, you, and, and you can't dabble in it. You can't say, I'm going to have a little of it. It says deny that. And Harold references Romans 12, 1 and 2, as we did earlier as yeah. well. Yeah. Thank you for that, Harold. Dwight mentions uh, to be lukewarm, we will be spewed out of his mouth. And that, and that uh, reference is from the book of Revelation, Jesus speaking to the church at Laodicea. And it's going to be in our bullet point. We're, we're at time to go to the bullet point. And, yeah, that's what Mohan references in his email. If respectable worldliness is similar to lukewarmness, then God abhors it and considers it serious. Yeah. yeah this, is, this, is a, this is a serious problem. And then Dwight and Michelle in their email said, God views respectable worldliness as sin, and this separates us from him. First Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, it says, The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So let's get to a break. Oh, Brian in California has signed in here. Uh, Romans twelve forty three uh, twenty three sorry Romans fourteen twenty three might be relevant if it isn't with a clear conscience then it could be well it could well be condemn condemnable we must need to search out the scriptures for surety in how to conduct ourselves I think that's right but I think what happens Brian is you know the first time I missed services to go to the ball game it kind of it kind of tweaked my conscience. I didn't. I felt a little bit bad about it. But you know, the more I did it, the less the less it bothered my conscience. And so that that's the problem. I mean, I, I do think it's right that that if if it bothers your conscience, you better definitely stay away from it. But the problem is, you can so torture your conscience that it'll stop bothering you. That's right. All right, we're gonna get a break at this week's bullet point. When we get back, where do we go from here? All right, when we get back, we want to talk about maybe some Bible characters who who really uh, illustrate this problem. All right, don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Consistency is a key to success in almost any endeavor, in business, in school, in athletics. In fact, in every conceivable realm, consistency is fundamental to achieving success. We submit that consistency is also vital to success as a Christian. There are some who go through periods of high interest and energy. For a time, they will attend every assembly. They will speak to neighbors and co-workers about Christianity. They will actively pursue every possible opportunity to do good and serve the Lord. Then... Without apparent cause, these same people will enter into a period of almost total indifference and apathy. They stop attending Bible classes. They frequently miss the worship services. They have no interest in personal work. They stop growing as a Christian and show signs that they are actually becoming much weaker. Folks who exhibit these hot and cold cycles in their service to God will not be successful in the long term. The lukewarm results of their inconsistency will not please the Lord. In addressing such Christians, Jesus said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Revelation 3, verse 16. We need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Christian, are you consistent? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Alex Dvorak, reminding you to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night, 8 o'clock Central Time. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight as we uh, remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Find out more on YouTube at College View Livestream. Yeah, a lot of good studies on there. Just uh, every Wednesday night, Wednesday night, Sunday night, and 
Sunday morning Bible class on Sunday. So a lot of good studies on that. You know, a question was raised recently, Kyle. You know, would somebody, maybe even somebody who, uh, you know, is is new to our area and they wanted to know where do where does where do we stand on different issues? You could pretty well find out between collegeview.com and the resources, the archives, and all that are there, and the virtual Bible study and the archives there, I think you could probably discover our position on most doctrinal subjects. Are you saying you're transparent? I think we're easily discoverable. Okay. All right. Good resources. Check them out. Um, And uh, if you have a question at any time, the email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. You can suggest a topic for a future edition of the virtual Bible study, as Kent did last week. Or you could suggest just a question to be considered on a And I've got a few uh, questions in our stack of stuff, and we need to go to that person. So if you'd like, if you've got even just a, a, a quick, brief question that you'd like to hear discussed, send it in. And, and coming up soon, we'll try to have a listener smorgasbord kind of, of uh, study. And the email address you use is questions at collegeview.com. All right. As we're talking about respectable worldliness on the program tonight. All right, so the question four we asked to our update list is, can you think of some Bible characters uh, who got caught up in respectable worldliness? And i got to say, the one that came to my mind first was the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. In okay. Mark chapter 10, uh, this, uh, the, this young man came to Jesus and said, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why callest thou well? I mean, that's not pertinent to the question. Jesus, why callest thou me good? There's one good. Uh, there's none good but one that is God. Thou knowest, he's, but he goes on to say, thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And notice, he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. He's a good religious guy. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said to him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell what thou hast, and give, whatsoever, uh, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And so how would this, uh, my, my thinking is, how would this guy have been regarded among the religious people of the day? Oh, man, he's a good godly person. Notice he even... He even could categorize, catalog the things that he had done in obedient uh, response to God. But he was consumed by materialism. He was driven by his money and the things that money would would, uh, provide for him. Wouldn't you think that there would be a lot of, potentially at least a lot of Christians of our age, who would be described almost in the exact same terms? The, they do, they they are involved religiously. They do various religious things, but their top priority is is pursuing the things of the world. And we overlook a lot of things with those who are prominent, wealthy, successful. Maybe quantify. He said he had great possessions. Maybe quantify those. Was it $10 million? $100 million? Was he a billionaire? A billionaire? Was, he, was, was he a Jeff Bezos? Would you maybe overlook some things in his life because of his success? Or would you maybe not fault him for not wanting to sell those things? Yeah. This idea of respectable worldliness is a serious problem and one that needs to be kept you know, in check. You know, uh, after all, he's he's a very successful doctor. It's understood that he's going to have to give the majority of his time to the pursuit of that profession. He's a he's a he's a really highly regarded attorney. And so it's we, we understand. I mean he's very successful in what he does and we understand that necessarily uh, he's not going to be able to be as involved as some others in serving God. Yeah. Respectable worldliness. All right. Let us know your thoughts tonight on the phone, 931-381-4567. Who did did, uh, our listeners list as Bible characters with this Well, here's what we got from Dwight and Michelle. Demas, well, that one's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, Demas, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world. There's a guy who got, and, and look at that. Look at his associations there with Paul for crying out loud. That this worldliness could get a, get a hold of Demas, it did. 
Judas, well, that's pretty uh, pretty clear there that he was Inter- he, he was in- intimately in, uh, involved in in all the things that Jesus did, and yet uh, thirty pieces of silver could turn his eye. Wow, amazing! Yep, amazing. Peter denied the Lord uh, for same. fear of of what others would think of him or do to him if they knew he was a, a disciple. And then Aaron, who made the golden calf in Exodus chapter 32. What do you think about that? I think I think in that story, uh, I uh, see uh, I see a lot of compromise on Aaron's part. Uh, I think Aaron was trying to uh, appease the uh, the murmuring, complaining, and contentious mob of the Israelites, and I think he tried to sort of compromise there. He made a golden calf. He hoped it wouldn't go too far, maybe. And then when he saw they were going to worship it, he tried to backtrack that and make it uh, a, a worship of Jehovah God. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then he actually lied about how it, how it came to be. Uh, I think a great compromise there. And, yeah. and many r- Christians today are doing the same, trying to compromise. And yeah. you can't have it both ways. Um, uh, here's a herald in the chat room, Balaam, he said. Oh, Balaam, Balaam yeah, because Balaam would would hopefully curse the people of God in order to get a monetary uh, uh, benefit from doing it. He, and, in his email, he mentions Demas, which we've already talked about. Um, um, yeah, and then um, Brian is in California. Brian's a little farther away from us, so Harold can get his comments in quicker. Brian said he was going to mention uh, mention Balaam. Yeah, well. yeah it, it takes longer to get a, a message from California yep. than does Alabama. Yep. Uh, and then, um, yeah, that's, those are our listeners. i tell you one i got to put on my list. Okay. Lot, yeah, and in Genesis chapter thirteen, you remember the episode. Uh, there was strife. This is Genesis thirteen verse seven. There was a strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou shalt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Notice, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the Garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest towards Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But notice the next verse. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. When Lot made the decision to move his self, himself and his family to the vicinity of Sodom, it was already true. It wasn't that something bad happened after he got there. It was already true that this was a very wicked place. But it's clear what motivated him to move there was, man, the pasture land there is the best. It'll be very beneficial to my herds. I, I, I will benefit materially by having this kind of territory to pasture my flocks in. I'm going there. It's a, it's a bad place, and and God knows it's a bad place, but I'm going there anyway. And I believe that that is really indicative of this kind of reasoning, to compromise what would be best spiritually in order for what would be best carnally. Absolutely. Here's one that uh, we could throw in the list. Uh, how about Martha? Yeah. Now, it happened as they, went, uh, as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. This is Luke 10, verse 38, beginning. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. There's some powerful lessons there uh, about Martha. She wasn't engaged in any sinful activities in and of themselves, but she allowed other things to get in the way of what was most important. Exactly right. And, and I don't think people, you know, if you mentioned Mary and Martha and Lazarus, everybody said, well, those are great characters. And I think typically they were, but Martha had a little problem there, and Jesus told her so. Uh, and, and, that, and that's something we've got to be on guard on. I think this, you know, this, is a, this is a thing that potentially infects us all, and we've got to really be on guard about that. Uh, 
And one more, I, I, you got to think about the rich, foolish uh, farmer uh, in Luke chapter 12. It's interesting, a very famous verse, Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And then he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, and I will build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And so, you know, again, I think everybody in the community would have said about that farmer, man, he's a, he's a really successful guy. I mean, he has done well, but he wasn't rich toward God, and that was his problem. Absolutely. Let's get a break, go to the top of the hour after this. Okay, have more we, points to talk about. When we come back, Let's talk quickly about why this kind of respectable worldliness that we've been discussing tonight is actually potentially more dangerous than the the, the more obviously immoral and ungodly type of worldliness. And then what suggestions can we offer to help avoid and overcome respectable worldliness? In the chat room, Dwight and Michelle say some move and take new jobs for a great job and the money without having a a sound church to attend. There's an idea of this respectable worldliness where it creeps in. And then Brian has to set the record straight. It wasn't that the Internet was too slow from here to California. It's that Harold's a better speller than he was looking to see how to spell Balaam. And and, and Harold beat him to the punch. All right. We're going to go to the top of the hour right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Misconception number 34. The folks at the College View Church of Christ think you have to go to their church to go to heaven. Everyone else goes to hell. You may have heard this, but it's simply not true. We probably believe the same thing you do. We definitely believe the same thing Jesus did in Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter heaven, but those who do the will of my Father will. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Some 62% of self-identified born-again Christians in the U.S. contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, presence, and purity. Another 61% say that all religious faiths are of equal value, and 60% believe that if a person is good enough or does enough good things, they can earn their way into heaven. That information is via the Cultural Research Center of Arizona Christian University. The Word of God says in Ephesians 4, beginning verse 4, There is one body and one spirit, just as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back talking about respectable worldliness, and we're running out of time. We're going to go fast. All right, so um, the question, the first question is, why is this potentially even more dangerous? You know, if if I'm out here involved in just some horrible, horrible, immoral things, why is this so-called respectable worldliness potentially more dangerous than a guy who would be out here involved in some really, really horrible things? Why is that a greater danger? That that was the, the thought behind the question. And And my answer to that would be basically... Uh, to use the expression in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, where it talks about the deceitfulness of sin and the possibility of being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You know, Satan would be glad for me to be lost however I'm lost. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if he can keep me out of heaven by keeping me just distracted, not that I give up, altogether my religious service but but i engaged this respectable worldliness wherein god is not in first place i'm not seeking first the kingdom of god i'm seeking things of the world first so i'm and i'm doing what jesus says really a, a, a an impossibility i'm trying to serve god and mammon uh satan will be glad for me to deceive myself into believing i'm okay uh, and, and i'm and i'm really getting both things done 
but I've actually got God way down here in low second place. Uh, that pleases Satan because I, it's easy for me to be self-deceived into thinking that that's acceptable. Where it, where, whereas if I was out here, you know, really engaged in the the most horrible, terrible forms of immorality in the world, even I know that's not right. And maybe at some point I would come to myself like the prodigal son did, and come back to the father. So. I think if, if the reason my, my suggestion that this might be a more dangerous thing is because of self-deception. There you go. Uh, well, here's what Dwight and Michelle say. People try and achieve convincing themselves that certain things are okay, such as a little white lie or a modesty or euphemisms, all of which are sinful acts, and will be judged by the things we say and do. Okay. All right. So it's uh, that's sort of that idea of you you mentioned, or you just sort of where you don't really see it for what it is. You sort of become numb to it. Moan says it can be potentially more dangerous since the church may not practice discipline since it is not outwardly, overtly outward sin. I believe that even sins of omission are not, not repented of should be cause for discipline such as not evangelizing the lost. And so notice, I may I may be able to keep the wool pulled over my brethren's eye in the local congregation. They they wouldn't even begin to consider disciplining me, even though I am completely distracted by things of the world. I still maintain a a, a false front of religious service to God, and so I put myself in a dangerous situation because you know because I've I've not only deceived myself, I've potentially deceived the people who could help me in the matter. Here's a verse that uh, maybe helps understand some of this. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one, no, not to eat. There's that idea of church discipline. And we've known of folks who've been disciplined because of sins like fornication, drunkenness. If we had an extortioner in our midst, he certainly would be disciplined. Have you ever known someone disciplined because they were covetous? No, never. Never. Is that respectable worldliness? It's because of respectable worldliness. I, I do think that covetousness is a harder thing to judge than some of those other sins. Sure. But but it's still a, a, a soul-damning sin. But it's more acceptable, and that's yeah. the, that's the uh, thing here. Here's what uh, Harold had said. It is more deceptive because it often has the form of godliness and appears to be compassionate, understanding, and appears as non-extremist, but is contrary to all that is true and faithful. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Good point, Harold. All right. Um, uh, that's it. Okay. All right. So in the final minutes of our program, the last question we had is, what suggestions can you offer to help us avoid and overcome respectable worldliness? All right. Well, again, I, I think it goes to prioritizing. I, I, I think we have to put first things first. Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, and, and, and so we, we have to be honest about that. I would say one of, one of the first steps is, a, is some real personal soul searching Am I truly putting God first? And if I'm not, then then reprioritize. So I would suggest that. Now, in in practical terms, I think you know that may present some real challenges. But that is the that is the rule. All right, I'd like to uh, suggest another thing. We got to tie off to the scriptures here. We talked about this being sort of socially acceptable, and uh, Kyle, you may not look down your nose at me if I'm engaged in certain sins that are more acceptable than others and so i can't use my fellow man i can't use my brethren as my sole standard for what's right and wrong i gotta go back to the standard here and make sure that i'm uh examining it and comparing my life to it yeah i think we start that's well the bible talks plainly about that we start comparing ourselves among themselves i mean our, our measuring stick is our brethren solely then we that is that's a gateway to you know, well, brother so and so. You know, he misses he misses services fairly regularly for recreation or for his job or whatever. You know, and so I, if he can, I can, can't I? No, 
I mean, I, I, I can't justify what I'm doing based upon what he may or may not be doing. And it's not even a question where anything he's doing is justified or unjustified. It's a question of where's my standard? Yeah, absolutely. But you, we've, we've probably all visited some churches where you left there thinking, eh, I don't get a good feeling about uh, where they st- where they are in the matter of certain worldly activities. Yeah. But, you know, everyone there is happy and thinks they're okay because, well, it's acceptable. Yeah. Uh, you know, a really good example, and it's been mentioned in some of our emails, what about modesty and dress? You know, uh, how am I going to judge whether, well, I dress like everybody else dresses. And apparently it's okay. They don't have any problem with that. That's not the standard. That's not the judge of whether it's right with God That's or not. That's why this is so dangerous. So so your your suggestion is a really important one. Make your determinations as to where you stand based upon a careful self-evaluation based upon the standard of God's word. Because on the day of judgment, you're not going to be able to stand before God and say, well, God, everybody else thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Nobody had a problem with it. Yeah. yeah well, God's not going to give you a, a pass on that. Yeah. All right. Harold says, uh, "Be acceptable, to God. Don't worry about what men think. Don't don't in our day inundate ourselves with what men think." And yeah. I think that's the big. I, mean, I think that's the critical thing. You Thank know? you, Harold, for that. Yeah. Here's what uh, here's what Dwight and Michelle said. Think before you act or talk. It's, so don't just go along blindly. I think a lot of times people do that. Walk circumspectly. Yeah. Remember, others are watching and listening. Remember, Consider your influence. And, remember your and, influence on others. In other words, would I, would I want my kids to imitate me in this? Would I want a new, so there's a new Christian in the local congregation. Would I want him to imitate me in this regard? Would, would, uh, uh, would I be pleased if the preacher or the elders acted the same way I'm acting, doing the same things I'm doing? Uh, remember when we became a child of God, we put away that old man of sin from us. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm really concerned that, uh, this is a big part of the problem is that we're not really crucifying the old man. We're not, we're not putting to death the old man. We just keep on doing the same things we always did. Yep. And then they finalize, finally uh, conclude here uh, with the admonition to memorize Hebrews 10, 29 through 31. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose he will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common theme, a thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. And then Brian in California says, I've heard a fine Christian lady say more than once, we're not here to be people pleasers. That comes to mind for me when the crowd is not heading in the right direction. Yeah, I think you're right, Brian. Well, yeah. That's not our goal here. Our charter is not to be popular, to be accepted by others. Our charter is to follow our Savior and he guaranteed us that we would not be popular if we did that. He guaranteed us that people would have problems with us, and we need to be prepared to to stand and take that stand, even though it may have consequences. Yeah. Uh, let me suggest Colossians 3, beginning verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. You know, you know if, if, if we aim low, that's, that's where we'll hit. We need to aim high, and I think that's what Paul is saying there in that passage. All right. Uh, Good comment tonight, a good discussion, good reminder, and a sobering discussion because it's something that we all need to take inventory of. Because, Kyle, I may be accepting certain areas of my life that have a lot of worldliness in them, and uh, maybe there's no real stop and uh, consideration to say, is that really how it ought to be? Yeah, we have to... We need to make sure we're slowing down and examining. We need to make sure every day we're examining ourselves and am I living how I need to be? Am I what is my what is my rule book? What am I using as my standard? standard? Yeah. So and that's a daily that's actually that's a minute by minute. That's like, most of the things we talk about, it's that's a that's a moment by moment. Make sure that we're using the Bible as our guide and using our 
our Father is, you know, who we want to please, and not ourselves, and not our friends, and our, even our brethren. Make sure we're pleasing God and everything. So. That's right. Mm-hmm. The tendency is we want to conform. Yeah. Nobody wants to be different, and we just over time will conform if we don't go back and renew our mind, as and, Romans twelve one and two says. And, and the thing of it is, uh, and, and I think everybody has to agree, is that the standards are shifting, and unfortunately, shifting even among Christians. Mm-hmm. And there, and and that highlights the danger of making that our making that a, the basis of our determination. Absolutely. Kyle, thanks for helping us out yeah, tonight. Good study. Dad, thanks for a good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Enjoyed being with you. Enjoyed you joining us on the other end of the line tonight. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.